Grace Intercept. The goal of this podcast is to help us, you and me, have an increasingly clear understanding of God's grace. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer. Thank you for joining us today. Confused. Perhaps you will resonate with this. It's sure a good word to describe most of my early attempts to understand the belief system in the church of my youth. Bible verses, of course, were used to support all of the teachings. While there was usually general agreement on the verses used, there were also a variety of interpretation of those verses and how they applied to that particular teaching. For example, almost all in the church would agree that the Sabbath, which is a biblical word for Saturday worship, must be observed must be observed must be observed in fact it wasn't unusual for people to believe that god demanded worship on saturday and those who didn't see it that way were in danger of hell however most would say sabbath was to be observed from friday at sundown to saturday at sundown but others would say it was from 6 p.m friday to 6 p.m saturday others yet had a different time frame but some were quite comfortable buying what would be considered necessities, while others would go out to restaurants after church. Most would say taking a walk was okay, but not horseback riding, playing ball, or canoeing. Sabbath was the big distinction of our church. The discussions around these differences were usually civil, but there were those who were passionate to the point of questioning the salvation of those who disagreed. The discussions could get very detailed on what was or wasn't allowed to be done on the Sabbath. Several other teachings were rife with differences which caused confusion. Here are a few. The requirement of baptism to be saved. Types or amounts of jewelry. Hairstyles. Clean and unclean foods, what we now call kosher foods. Pagan holiday observance. Gender roles in the church. Prophetic interpretation spiritual gifts, divorce and remarriage, playing cards and gambling, music, movies, participation in certain organizations, being forgiven or unforgiven at any given moment. There were many more, and the hot-button emphasis would change from time to time. If you have been in that type of religious environment, you know the frustration from the lack of clarity, constantly wrestling with your own conclusions and the challenges of those conclusions from others. There were times I tried really hard to understand a particular issue and be prepared to take a strong stand on it, but that lasted only for a while before something would come along that would raise questions about it all over again. For example, the argument against movies was basically that to pay to attend movies was to support an industry that was practicing and promoting ungodly values. Now, that seemed to make a lot of sense. Hollywood is no paragon of virtue, so I could take a stand on that until it was pointed out that the owner of a local store we frequented was not a very nice person. Probably, maybe, just as bad as those Hollywood types. So was it okay to see movies, or was it not okay to frequent the local merchant? What was really challenging in all of this was that, for the most part, people's intentions were good. We were all sincerely trying to come to a precise understanding of the truth of a particular issue. That resulted in an ongoing effort that required fairly constant discussion and adjustments. Issues could always be more refined, and new information kept the process churning. Many, maybe, maybe most, found the quality of their spirituality at stake. 
because any lack of truth could keep you from the final reward you desired. And it was easy, very easy, to be judgmental of others with whom disagreements were had. Differences, even slight ones, could be used to measure one's spiritual condition, especially by comparing it with others. Some seemed so saintly with no obvious flaws. Others, well, you were thankful they they were around because they made you look not quite so bad. Guilt was a constant nearby companion when not living up to one's own standards and the standards of others. This culture also allowed for manipulation of those whose motives were less than pure. Jesus, of course, would be presented as the one disappointed with us when anything happened that they didn't like. And our salvation was, of course, always at risk. Here's sarcasm. Obviously, they were qualified to represent the feelings of Jesus as if they had no moral issues. One had to be constantly aware of those who were around. You learned to customize your behavior depending on the company you were in. Proper performance saved a lot of headache and even heartache. In this world, hypocrisy was unavoidable. In all of this, I could and did have loving relationships with family and friends. People tended to gravitate toward those who generally agreed on whatever was considered their most important issues. This allowed for a strong community and support system in many ways. Good interactions and fun experiences were had. Strong lifelong bonds formed with extended family and friends. Many people were satisfied enough with this type of church culture. They didn't want to question it enough to threaten the core tenets and the values of the church. Relationships and the comfort of tradition were more important. Interestingly, from my perspective, maybe my projection, the energy of dissatisfaction would typically show up as a need to reform the systems of the organization. So, changing how things were done was an outlet for disagreement with the teachings and less threatening. Of course, this just served to continue to perpetuate the culture and questionable teaching. Have you experienced something similar in your church background, or maybe you still are? Looking back, it seems to me that much of the confusion stemmed from a lack of understanding of some very key basic concepts of Christianity. This would include a knowledge and insight of the significance the death and resurrection of Jesus makes in our relationship with God. Seems so hard to believe a whole church denomination, though very small, would not have a better grasp on this, but that's the way it seemed to me. One way that showed up was in how the pre-resurrection scriptures were often looked at as almost as applicable to us as they were to the Jewish audience they were originally intended for. The scriptural context of what was in the Old Testament and New Testament before the resurrection were treated almost on par with post-resurrection context. Even scriptures in the New Testament that were starkly different from the Old Testament, verses that clearly showed that the old was gone and the new had come, those verses were explained weekly away. When those New Testament scriptures were taught, it was usually only in a call to salvation and almost never related to daily Christian living, unless they could be presented as a behavioral list of do's and don'ts. After all, one's salvation was almost always at risk, and behavior was usually the determining factor. In later episodes of Grace Intersect, we will get into some of those concepts and verses in more detail. There is no confusion when one doesn't conflate the Old and New Testaments. Confusion begs for clarity, and truth matters. 
The programming of the church culture I grew up in made it seem like their teachings were always subject to new understanding. Officially, the church claimed to have an open creed. That meant any teaching could be challenged for additional truth to be discovered and applied. But it never really happened. It is really hard to overcome the inertia of time-honored beliefs and practices. Oh, yeah, there were some nuanced adjustments in the wording to get as many on board as possible, but the hardest questions were avoided. To face the hard core questions would require responding to massive changes in the understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Unfortunately, in my world of Christianity, there was only a limited understanding of God's grace. It was applied only to the doctrine of justification, that is, accepting Jesus for salvation and really only to the forgiveness aspect of grace. But there wasn't complete agreement even on that. Some believed you had to clean up your act and promise to behave right to even get God to forgive you. Oh, times I've seen the misery of people wanting to become Christian, but not believing they could ever be good enough for God to accept them. I still grieve when those memories hit. For many, a clear understanding of grace wasn't available as it related to salvation. When it came to understanding how grace applied to daily living, the church had no clue. If they did, I sure didn't catch it. In my experience, salvation was very fragile and subject to the least little wrong attitude or behavior. While my journey had been trending toward an increased clarity and emphasis on grace for several years, it wasn't until I could no longer ignore and or twist scriptures beyond recognition. There were what I call hard pivot verses that I finally accepted for what they said and not for what I had needed them to say to be in continuity with the church's teachings. These verses created a dramatic momentum away from the church and toward a more intimate relationship with Jesus. If this has happened to you, the verses that impacted you may be different. The hard pivot verses for me came from 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 through 13 and 17 through 18. This is from the New English Translation. You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone, revealing that you are a letter of Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on stone tablets, but on tablets of human hearts. Now we have such confidence in God through Christ, not that we are adequate in and of ourselves to consider anything as if it were coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who made us adequate to be servants of a new covenant and not based on the letter, but on the spirit. For the letter kills and the spirit gives life. But if the ministry that produced death carved in letters on stone tablets came with glory, so that the Israelites could not keep their eyes fixed on the face of Moses because of the glory on his face, a glory which was made ineffective, how much more glorious will the ministry of the Spirit be? For if there was glory in the ministry that produced condemnation, how much more does the ministry that produces righteousness excel in glory? For indeed, what had been glorious now has no glory, because of the tremendously greater glory of what replaced it. For if what was made ineffective came with glory, how much more has what remains come in glory? Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is present, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces reflecting the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, which is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Ten Commandments were the supreme law of the church. 
and of those, the fourth commandment, about the Sabbath, was the single biggest focus. It was a big part of the core identity of the church, and by extension, of each of us who took it seriously. But notice how it clearly states in these verses that what is written on our hearts is what matters. In fact, these verses plainly state that the Ten Commandments produced death and were ineffective. They produced condemnation and have no glory. Wow. Just wow. When I finally saw the reality of these verses and what they were saying, I had to release my worship of and hold on the Ten Commandments and embrace the glory of the ministry of the Spirit that gives life. Where the Spirit is, there is freedom. Freedom from the law of condemnation and death. And it is within that freedom that he transforms us to reflect his glory. We are almost done with the focus on my particular personal journey, but the next podcast will share a very hard and necessary conversation with my dad about the decision my wife and I had to make regarding our continued church involvement. I hope you will join us for episode three of Grace Intercept. Thank you for listening today. Again, my name is Jerry Moldenhauer, and this is the Grace Intersect Podcast. Please know your thoughts and or questions are welcome. Comments may be made at the graceintersect.com website or by emailing comments at graceintersect.com. Have a great day.